Hey, this is Brian McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on alscoop.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, alscoop.com's podcast, season six, episode 33. Sam Cohn, what episode is this? Larry Bird. There you go. Uh, it took you way too long to get that. I was Kareem. trying to unmute. Sorry. Kareem, right? Kareem was 33. Tony Dorsey. Blaze Caponegro was 33. Blaze Caponegro. That's good. That's good Temple football knowledge by you, Kyle. Before he became a single digit. It was eight, right? Was he an eight? Was he Blaze was six. six or eight? He was a six. six. Yeah, yeah, Blaze six. was six. Yeah. There got to be a bunch. What other 33s? It was Tony Dorsett was 33. I mentioned Hersey Hawkins last last week. Or no, maybe Tony Dorsett was not 33. Mm, no, he was. You're right. When we were talking about our, our favorite numbers last week, I mentioned 33. I was a big Hersey Hawkins guy. Um, Shaq. Didn't Shaq? Well, Dobbins. Shaq was, 30. Dobbins was 33. Shaq was 32. Shaq was 33 on the Suns. Yes. There you go. We can talk about we can talk about Kyle oh, Scotty Pippen wore thirty three. Scotty right? Pippen, thirty three. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's a better one. Talk about Dobbins a little later. Got to mention, got to mention from from Rod Carey uh, earlier this week. So again, we missed uh, Patrick Ewing, Frank Robinson, Brunson wore thirty three. Ooh boy, <laughs> you. <laughs> There's a low hanging fruit. You got to take them every now. And yes. Then. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get an angry text message about that. So, anyway, Kyle Gauss, Sam Cohn, and Sam Newman with me is always happy to be joined by these fine people on this podcast. It's a great weather day out there. Hope you guys are enjoying it, and hope you guys will enjoy this episode. Spring football has wrapped up. We'll talk a lot about that. More basketball recruiting news to get out there. Lots of mailbag questions to get to as well. Of course, can I say something. Of course, you can say anything you want. It's not a nice weather day. Well, yeah, because people aren't. Well, wait, what don't you like about it? I'm not acclimated to like 88 degrees yet. Like I need that like, okay, it's 78, 79, it's 80, it's 78, 79. Like that consistently nice weather. It can't go from 60 to 88 to 61. It's too fast of a jump. Yes. My body needs to change. Is this like your first spring? I feel like I'm in Charlotte. This is what Charlotte weather is like. It's the worst. And you know why? You know what? We won that war. Okay. We don't have to have Charlotte weather. (laughs) <laughs> we, I live up here, so it can be in the 70s, and I can just be maintaining this. And I slowly adjust to it, and then it gets really hot, and I go to the shore, and it comes back, and it's not hot anymore. But now, with this crap, April hot, April 88 degrees? No. Yesterday's no, weather no, no, no. was perfect. Well, it was like in the 70s all day. It was yes. great. You, today make it sound like, but you make it sound like Philadelphia is uber consistent with its weather. It's not. It's never No, been. it's, it's not. But it doesn't mean I'm not allowed to complain about it. I, I can compartmentalize May, June, July, August sucks. September and April weather in Philadelphia is supposed to be great. Hmm. Like temperature makes you feel better. Two weeks ago in the middle of April, it snowed at my house. Mm-hmm. Like two inches, three inches. Sam, and it was 50 and sunny here. Did you play golf this morning? I did. I played my first round of the year. How'd How'd you do? Go? I, went to the, I went to the range two days ago and then played 18 this morning. It went. Okay. I had some good holes. I had some really, really bad holes. Um, overall, kind of exactly how I expected the first day of the year to go, but only getting better from here. It Who'd felt good play? to be out there. The weather was amazing. So Who'd it was you play with? Uh, Brian Mermelstein. 
friend of the show, friend of friend of, friend of the show, friend of the advanced sports and one of your class. students. Yes, exactly. So it was just you and Merm, no, no Ray Don, no, no Carolina. State no, it was, uh, it was the two of us. And then we were supposed to play in a foursome with two random people. And one of the people didn't show up. So it was just one guy. His son was supposed to come with them and his son didn't show up. So it was just the three of us. It was the, uh, Brian, myself and this random older dude. Who was uh, nice guy. Wasn't there an incident that happened involving your, your head getting hit with something? Oh yeah. John, you'll get a, you'll get a crack out of this one. Um, the guy was making some comment, but not in a bad way. Like he was like, Oh, when you, um, on your drive, like try to do this and was kind of like going back and forth and then went a little too hard and knocked the back of my head a little bit. Nothing bad, but like oh. knocked the back of my head a little bit. I would hate yeah. the first part of that. If you're like a random addition to my pair and you're trying to give me like swing advice, like get the F out of here, man. Like that's not what this, that's not what this is about. I don't really care. I, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be like, screw you. Like, I mean, I'd be I'll like, oh, yeah, I appreciate that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't implement any of it. <laughs> so, spring football. My wife told me yesterday I should work better on my empathy, and I don't think I'm good at that that's yet. That's not, again, not the first time. I got, I got a lot of tools in my toolkit. That's not one of them. And your, your response was not a sprint. Did you, say <laughs> something, did you say something to her? Was this something that you said about somebody else? Both are plausible. Uh, both are applicable probably too. Um, it was kind of like a hybrid situation, but most, for the most part, it was somebody else. And on at Kyle's least response occasions. was, I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care what you think. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to be me. Several, several times where Kyle has said something to me and Meg has reprimanded him. And Kyle basically says he's used to this. What do you want me to say? I don't care what anybody say. I'm going to be me. <laughs> Stay hood, stay raised in the streets. Let's let's scoop. <laughs> All right. Big news to come out of big news slash maybe expected news. Good news to come out of spring ball. Not bearing the lead here. Rod Carey officially named at least two reporters. Dwan Mathis, the Georgia transfer, as his number one quarterback coming out of spring ball saying that he's the he's the clear number one quarterback. Real Mitchell, Iowa State transfer, who obviously uh, played in some uh, played some snaps last year. Started the UCF game is the clear number two, and then he went on to say that he's looking forward to seeing uh, Duncan, even Justin Lynch, and uh, and Mariano Valenti kind of fighting it out and competing for the number three spot. So uh, again, good news, expected news. There, we're also going to go around the horn in a little bit and talk about one thing that we feel each of us learned from spring ball. Again, it ended up being compressed into a period of three weeks, but. Obviously, just you know, very simply and, and plainly, a big step for the program in the fact that they got spring drills this year as opposed to last spring when they did not get them. Obviously, it, it sounds like an, it sounds like one of those no kidding kind of statements, but I think it's a big deal that Dewan Mathis comes out of the spring as the clear starter, and this thing isn't lingering into the summer. Now, that could all be semantics. It could just be, you know, who cares? At the end of the day, he has to go out there. Uh, in September and, and win games. But I think it's a good thing for him because, you know, you're looking back and maybe this is just me. I want you guys to react to this. You're looking at a guy who verbally committed to what Michigan state. I'm always leaving out of school, Michigan state, Ohio state, Georgia, who is Iowa it? state, Iowa state, Iowa state, Michigan state, Ohio state, Georgia uh, goes to, goes to Georgia, starts the opener, loses the starting job. And, from the outside looking in, 
And again, I, I've never met Dewan Mathis before, but sounds like he came in, won over his teammates, and at least the storyline coming out of the spring is not, okay, here's, here's a, a former four-star recruit in a Georgia transfer. What's the catch? What's the catch? Is there, is there something there? Is he just not as good as, as his recruiting profile would suggest? But again, he's got a lot left ahead of him, but seems like he came in and outright won the job, has to continue winning the job. But Rod Carey said some good things about him. I think it's a really good thing for the program because if this thing lingered into the summer, short of them kind of, you know, trying to pull a smoke screen with theatrics and stuff like that, if it was really a thing where they're like, we still don't know, then I think the narrative would be, uh-oh, they lost Anthony Russo to Michigan State. You bring in this, this high-profile transfer from Georgia and you still don't know who your starter is coming out of the spring, what's going on. It kind of just piles on and piles on and piles on. Again, we say it every week for those of you who might be listening to this podcast for the first time. Reporters don't get access to spring ball. We get access to interviews. Uh, we're appreciative of that, but we can't see it with our own eyes. But I mean, am I overstating something that's really simple here to say that this is an important development to, to say, yeah, we like what we've seen here. He is what we thought he would be. He's our starter. No, I don't. I don't think you're overstating it or, or putting it on too high of a pedestal or anything like that. I mean, I, th- I kind of rewind the clock to back before he committed. And we kind of knew it was coming and we we're just waiting for him to get announced and blah, blah. And I reached out to somebody whose opinion I trusted on this. And I pretty much asked what that hypothetical was, which was well, not even hypothetical, but I asked that question of, Hey, was he just over recruited? Like was his, is does his recruiting profile not match up with his skill set? Was he got to look good in camps? Like what happened there? And the guy told me, he goes, no, like I, I don't get that impression at all. I don't get the impressions to cast off. He just, he just had the unfortunate, um, circumstance where he was playing so young in a league that you cannot play young at in quarterback at quarterback unless you're like Tua, like you can't be like a freshman in the SEC and go through those growing pains at Georgia because you're going to be quickly pulled and you're going to get the crack kicked at you against some really good defenses. So I think if they hadn't, if he hadn't come into Temple and just run away with this job, which by all by all stretch of the imagination, it sounds like that's what he did because I mean, we won the clock three weeks ago and Rod Carey said like, Hey, ideally you want somebody to come in and just blow you away. And he is the starter after the spring. I guess what? Three weeks later, Dwan Mathis is the starter at coming out of the spring. So I think it kind of does take away a little bit of those question marks of was he over recruited? Is he not that good? Like, is he just a name with a, with four stars next to him or is he actually that good of a player? There's less question marks, but I think the be- the bigger ramification is, just because some players are here right now on April 28th does not mean they had to be here on June 1st. They could have still entered the transfer portal after the spring if you're one of Temple's skilled players that you came in, you went through spring ball, and then you didn't like what you saw. But I think naming Dewan Mathis, Dewan Mathis having that good of a spring helps you kind of calm the waters there and keep some people in the program that may have, may have got people in their ears being like, hey, why would you want to stay at Temple? They haven't even figured out their quarterback situation yet. So I think there's downstream roster ramifications that are positives. Yeah, I would agree with Kyle's point. I don't think it's overstated at all. I mean, you listen to Rod Carey, what he had to say yesterday. Um, he was practically fawning over Mathis. I mean, three different times he he lauded his skill set, his athleticism, everything that he brings to the table physically. And he pretty much pointed the question to us, the reporters, that like, hey, you guys haven't been able to see, but like this kid can do it all. So it sounded like they never prom. I, I would doubt they promised him the job. They wanted him to come and fight for it, but obviously they wanted to get him comfortable with the offense. It's probably at a place where they think he knows the offense well enough and they saw what he could do physically that they're like, okay, we have to name this guy the starter. He's done enough. He's earned it. And 
quite frankly, like, I mean, like Kyle said, I mean, he pretty much probably kept Jaden Blue and Randall Jones here. Like, I, I don't know if I can say that and convincingly, but, you, but it, you just did. Uh, maybe, but um, it kind of, they kind of pointed to that. I mean, with the conversations that they had and and whatnot. So um, he's going to play an integral part of what they do this year, whether they take that next step or not. And I think it was important for them to name him the starter because Carey just doesn't seem like a head coach who wants to deal with that speculation um, at all. He, he seems somebody that he's going to put that to rest. I mean, obviously when, you know, it's not the same situation, but he was pretty adamant that even when he had, you know, tread Beatty like biting at, you know, whatever, and, and Real Mitchell come in, he's like, Anthony's my starter. Like, he, he was pretty adamant about that. So I didn't – I don't think we – any of us really anticipated for this to, like, drag on. But, I mean, th- I think DeWan did enough behind the scenes and, in you know, in front of his coaches and teammates to win everybody over with his, um, you know, his ability to lead, um, his, his, his athleticism, his play strength, his, you know, his arm, all of that. I, I think – Temple's in a good spot with that right now. And I think you can't, you can't look at the, any of this as a, as a bad thing. All right. So here's a quote from, from Rod Carey. Uh, one of the, the few uh, clips where he's talking about Dewan Mathis. Again, he spoke with reporters on Tuesday to kind of close out uh, spring football media availability. Uh, he was asked, you know, what separated Dewan Mathis from the rest of the pack. And here's what Rod Carey said. Dewan's rate of improvement in comfort with the offense. Listen, his physical skills are, out of the world um, as far as athletically and arm strength. Uh, I think getting comfort with the offense to make decisions more consistently is the thing that he wants to improve on. And we want to see him improve on, but certainly he, he had great growth in that this entire spring and it was fun to watch. All right. So there you hear Rod Carey talking about Mathis's rate of improvement, comfort with the offense. That's what set him apart. And yeah, he goes on to say his physical skills are out of this world uh, getting comfortable with the offense obviously is going to be the key part there. Another thing, again, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this is oversimplifying things, but I also think it's a good thing that, that real Mitchell is right there as the number two. I mean, there's a guy who, you know, doesn't quite have the recruiting profile of Dewan Mathis, but was a, was a fairly notable recruit coming out of California goes to goes to Iowa state ends up at temple you know, seems like a pretty nice guy. Things could have gone one way or the other for him. I mean, he could have said, oh, they're, they're bringing in this guy from Georgia. Am I ever going to get the chance to start? And maybe a guy like, you know, there was a little bit of chatter about Mariano Valente, maybe a guy like Duncan, you know, Rod Carey likes to say he's got some, he's got some crap to him. They like Duncan. Maybe he could have slipped by and, and not focused and really dropped down to number three, but, but stuck with it. Um, you hope that Dewan Mathis stays healthy. You hope it anybody hopes their quarterback stays healthy, but seems like he kind of rose to the occasion and, and stuck with it in the, in the quarterback competition there and didn't um, didn't kind of languish down to like the third spot on the depth chart. So I guess you could see that as a positive too, but I don't know if that's kind of bright siding things. I mean, I think it's a positive, but I think it was also kind of an expectation, right? I mean, he was the only one coming back that had really played once Tread Betty retired. Because yeah. um, I mean, Matt Duncan had his opportunity and didn't, didn't get a chance for whatever reason. So, I mean, it, I kind of, I was actually kind of taken back a little bit by, by Kerry's uh, verbiage, I guess, for talking about Real Mitchell. Cause he's like, well, technically he's our number two, but Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing what Justin Lynch, who became Mount Carmel's all time uh, leading passer this, this week and, and Matt Duncan and Mario and Valenti have a chance to do. So I kind of get that, the impression there that like, yeah, Hey, Real, you're the number two here. And like, you have the inside track to be number two, but like, 
Just these guys are on your heels yep. because like, this is still yeah, a competition. Good point. You think good he point. does that just so he doesn't want like you know the competition to die down in that room? I maybe use it as a motivating factor for Real to kind of like not get complacent, and then for you know Justin Mariano and Matt to kind of keep fighting for to get that. Well, Justin hasn't been here, but you get the point. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question. I mean, I think it was kind of also the argument for not naming Dewan Mathis the starter because like you didn't you didn't want Real Mitchell to get down in the dumps and, and not compete. So I mean I think you could trickle that down from the set, the number two seed too, but like number two seed. Uh the number two spot in the depth chart. But I think when John and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, uh I don't remember if it was on this or if it was via text or what. But I think John's when I when we kind of flew that John, I think you said like well nobody's really proven anything yet to the point. So it's not like any of these guys have been like hey I went out and I won three. I started three games. I went two and one. And now you're telling me I'm the number three quarterback. Like, I feel like there's such a, a stew going on in there that, like, I don't think you really need to convince these guys that, hey, everything's, everything's up for grabs. Well, after the way Mitchell ended his season, I think he needed to come out and prove himself. Because if you remember how Rod Carey talked to him about him after the Central Florida game, it was not anything to write home about. Granted, they had – um, you know, makeshift offensive line. You had Tavon right. Rule starting at running back. And it's I mean, just so hard to judge anybody off of last right. year for that, one positive or negative. It's just but so probably hard. in the coaching staff's mind, they're like, okay, Real hasn't done anything. So he, he probably needs to come in and improve himself. I mean, I, I would probably view it as that. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it, it's not like anybody accomplished anything on and off the field to, to really warrant one way or the other. Right. I saw some – I don't even remember where I saw it, but somebody at some point was talking about, like, oh, well, when I watched Mathis, I saw that he floats the ball and he does this and blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you basing that off of? You were basing that off of, like, 35 snaps as a redshirt freshman in the SEC 12 months after he had a brain cyst removed. Like, there is just nothing you can compare any of these people off of that, that like – the the only people that can really compare these two are the people that have seen these people and these two players in practice over the last three weeks. Not to mention, I mean, he was a guy who missed all of the the his freshman year, and then he comes in without much of a you know they didn't right. spring practice or really summer. I mean, they had right. workouts, but it was like limited. So you're asking somebody who was away from the game from that long to really you know come in and be the starter, which is, I mean, as we all know, is is no easy task it, that's hard to do at monmouth or rutgers or towson let alone at like an sec school like georgia mm-hmm. so i i mean how for all we know Dwamath is going to go out there and he's he's going to be he's going to disappoint all this like we have no idea but the fact of the matter is that the coaching staff determined after 15 games that it was such a far and away difference that this decision was made which i don't see how that can be anything but a positive one other final thing before we move on to a few things we learned from the spring, I think it might've been Mark Narducci who asked Rod, you know, is there any scenario where he could lose the job heading into heading into end of the season? I believe Rod Carey said something to the effect. He said, unless there's injury or terrible play. And then he went on to say his skill set is really impressive. So it sounds like a pretty firm decision as of, as of now. Yeah, that would, that's the one thing you couldn't do, right? You can't be like, hey, this is Dwayne Mathis's job. And then like two weeks into the fall practice, be like, well, I mean, actually, like Real is really pushing them. So like, I, I feel like that's just how Rod kind of views starting quarterbacks in general. I Either mean, you're going to get hurt or you're going to really shit the bed. And I'm going to have to pull yeah. it. Well, don't we kind of know what he's probably going to end up saying in the fall already? Like, oh, everybody looks good. They're pushing each other, that right. sort of stuff. That, that's going to be sure. a big there. Like, the yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's been the case for, yeah. that's been the case for like two weeks now. Like yeah, even exactly. when they were saying like, oh yeah, like this is a competition, blah, blah. Like everything we were hearing and everything other players were saying and all this was alluding to the fact that like 
Dwan is the starting quarterback. Matt, Matt and Mariano are doing a good job of learning the offense. They can get back to me now. Which they are. <laughs> like I like I get that, but like they are still just like young quarterbacks that need to that need to spend their time uh, learning the system even more. Right, let's let's uh, let's go around the horn here. It's uh, each of us talk about one thing you think that that you learned after you know fifteen spring practices. This Something sounds like an ice breaking thing, like a thing it you would is. have in like a, a meeting. <laughs> it is an icebreaker. Um, where are you from? Favorite color? What's your fun fact? Yeah, what's your fun you fact? A fun fact. I asked fun. a coworker. I asked a not a coworker, um, a representative from a, a vendor today. Just like kill time. I was like, if you were on a talent show, like like if there was Mr. Blah blah blah, and you had to like do a talent, what would your talent be? And his answer was, I can blow bubbles with my mouth really well. It's, Jesus yeah. Christ! Like so it's not a talent. It's gross. Like so I'm I assume. What else are you gonna blow Ooh. bubbles with? <laughs> Big league chew. I also that's that's also just not a talent that like translates well to like a visual aid. Like no one's gonna be like, oh yeah, let's zoom in this camera here on John DiCarlo blowing bubbles. Oof. Sam Cohn, do you want to give us a fun fact or you just want to go right into, into football here? We'll take either one. I'm happy to give you my fun fact, but I'm not going to perform the fun fact on the scoop. My fun fact, because I do it every time. I've, I've definitely brought this up on the scoop. My fun fact is always that I can do the alphabet backwards. I said, oh, in, yeah. your class, yeah. I said in your class on the first day of class and you made me do it in front of the class. I usually, I don't mind doing it. It's not a big deal. It's just um, we have more important things to talk about, but that is my go-to fun fact is that I can do it backwards. Um, my, would you like me to start for my yes, interesting thing take, from spring, spring, spring football takeaway, Sam. spring football takeaway. So something we talked, we, we touched on a little bit last week on the scoop was the change in the backfield change in terms of, um, Gabe Infante talking about when he met with reporters that he had spent pretty much the whole off season thinking about or studying how he can utilize multiple different skill sets with the depth they have in the backfield between Iverson Clement, bringing in Iverson Clement, Rayvon Bonner, adding to a couple guys uh, like Kyle Dobbins and Ed Sadie, who um, who are returning and have been impressive. He's been trying to figure out how to make that work. Uh, I think the most interesting thing that we've seen is both that they brought those two guys into the transfer portal, that it's, it's clear they have depth. And it's going to be a very different backfield from what it was last year. Because for the majority, Ray da- uh, for the pretty much the entire season, Ray Davis took majority of the snaps out of the backfield, and um, the the rest of the back the rest of the running back room kind of had the leftovers, where it was really just Ray Davis's backfield. So I think what you're going to see this um, this fall is a much more in and out, much more utilizing different guys' strengths in different situations. And I think the thing that helps that is the fact that they have such an experienced offensive line. So that's at least one thing um, for them to be excited about, for fans to be excited about. One thing to really keep an eye on is how does, you know, come week one, how does Gabe Infante manage those rotations? And the other interesting thing that we heard from Rod Carey the other day uh, when he met with reporters was not only was Gabe Infante very high on Ed Sadie after the uh, temple's first spring practice scrimmage um, Rod Carey was also had some high um, had some words of praise for Ed Sadie and what he's been able to do in the last three weeks. So to hear that that's not just coming out of the running back room to hear that's, you know, coming from the head coach that Ed Sadie's doing things that are, is that he's impressing his coaches. He's doing a lot of things well, and he's carving out a role with two guys coming from, uh, transferring in from power five schools. I think it's at least noteworthy that uh, he's received such high praise when, when asked who's someone that's um, 
that's you know flashed or that stood out to you in spring ball and the first name both the head coach and the running backs coach say is ed sadie i thought that was at least interesting so here's rod carey talking about quickly about about ed sadie and uh you'll hear him say here oh he's he's graded out as the most consistent back in that group yeah ed sadie really had a great great spring probably graded out the most consistent um hard running behind his pads running through tackles really happy with ed and his assignments and everything but then liked what i saw from um dobbins liked what i saw from ali barkley really liked what i saw for ai all those guys have different things that they need to do to become more consistent um you know and onassis neely uh, was out this spring, and so was Tavon Ruley. So, um, you know, hopefully looking forward to getting those guys back at some point and getting them in the mix, too. And we know Tavon has played a lot of football. So feel good about the room. Ed probably separated himself this spring. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot more competition in the fall. All right, so I'll ask this question, and if if I feel like if Ed Zadie listens to this podcast, he's going to think that I'm I'm doubting him for – a second week in a row, but I think we talked about this last week and I'll, I'll bring it up again. We talked about the fact that, that Rayvon Bonner appeared to be out for most of spring, right? Because uh, what he's, he is being careful about, he, he did test positive for COVID or he was, yeah, he tested positive for COVID. And then when he first spoke to the media, he was like, I just got back on the field. Like, right. Yes. And right. then he also talked about having a pre-existing condition with having asthma. So you could right. probably, if you want to, you know, connect the dots you could probably say okay they're probably being careful he's a veteran guy does he need the snaps as much as edward sadie does so i'll ask this question again and ed sadie was a very very good player at penn charter and it's good that they're excited about him are we having the same conversation first week of august is rod carey still singing the praises of ed sadie uh saying he's distinguished himself more than anybody or is rod carey saying you know it took rayvon bonner a couple of days to get his feet up you know from underneath him but He's he's really looking like the guy we we thought he was coming out of Illinois and coming out of the Big Ten, and he's really starting to separate. He's a guy that can be versatile. He can he can cut. He can be a power back. Does the narrative change, or is again is this is is this seriously an Ed Sadie might start and get fifteen carries a game type of situation? I think what you're hearing from Ed the praise of Ed Sadie is not. You know, he's going to be their go-to guy. He's going to be their lead guy. I think what you're hearing is confirmation of depth because I think you can make a reasonable assumption that the, that both Iverson Clement and Rayvon Bonner are probably going to play a pretty big and important role and get a, get a significant number of the snaps. But when Gabe Infante talks about having that depth, utilizing different skills, being able to put different guys in different situations and utilizing each of their strengths, I, I think hearing multiple coaches talk about Ed Sadie so highly – uh, speak of him so highly, I think only confirms that they do feel comfortable with the depth they have and in that plan moving forward. I I agree with that. I think you can make the argument that maybe um, Edward Sadie wouldn't have had the opportunity to kind of earn their trust if Ray Bonner was healthy. Uh, maybe, I mean, it's spring, so like everyone gets a lot of reps, but like maybe you would say like, okay, Rayvon's still going to get a lot more here. But I would agree. I think that just makes them more confident to know that like, in the event that Bonner and Clement and Ruley aren't able to perform at the level we need or they get things up or whatever it is, we're more confident in Edward Sadie than we were in the fall. And it sounds like they're also a little more confident in Kyle Dobbins than they were in the fall. So it seems like there is a legitimate, there's a legitimate depth there. Yes. As we brought up, as I brought up earlier, we talked about number 33. Everybody's always intrigued by Kyle Dobbins. Again, it was a very good back at, at Sandy Austin prep Timber Creek. People had high hopes for him coming in. It's taken a few years for him to make an impact. Again, his name comes up, 
and he's been described as a home run threat, a big play guy, all, all different variations. Rod brought him up. He, he kind of ticked through the whole list again, even um, even brought up um, he brought up Sadie, brought up Dobbins, Holly Barkley, uh, called um, Iverson Clement AI, uh, talked about the fact that Anastas Sneely and Tavon Ruley are out. Did not mention Rayvon Bonner at all. So yeah, another um, interesting situation to to keep an eye on there. So uh, Sam Newman, what do you have for us? Yeah, I want to talk about Kobe Wilson. I think, I mean, that was a name that always came up, whether you're talking to his teammates, um, Rod Carey, Jeff Knowles, really anybody. I mean, it's his energy has been infectious from everything that we can hear. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is Rod. When I asked Rod if he's ever seen um, somebody like Kobe Wilson, he kind of mentioned, he laughed and he was like, yeah, I kind of had to speak to George Reed the other, or I don't, I don't think this was in response to my question. I, I flubbed that, but somebody, at, I believe Dante Colonelli asked um, Rod, like what that competition is as the weak side linebacker and, and George Reed um, is really being pushed by Kobe Wilson. He kind of told, and Rod said that he told George Reed, like, hey, you got to bring it because we know Kobe's going to bring it every day. So, I mean, that's just kind of the player that they're getting in, in him. And, and Rod kind of said, like, if he doesn't do it now, like, he's going to be a big part of this program in the future. I mean, I fully expect him to to be rotated. They're going to rotate a lot at linebacker. I think we would anticipate that. Reed and Quen- Quenku, if if there's one guy who plays the majority of snaps, it's probably going to be Will Quenku and not Reed just because Reed doesn't have you know, the line starting linebacker experience and nor does he, you know, ha- have probably that hold of a position that Quenku does that, um, you know, that Reed had that Quenku does. Um, as for Kobe, I think, I mean, just listening to the story of, with him talking about how Georgia wanted him to come in and, and play on special teams and even mention playing a linebacker. Um, he, I mean, he has that chip on his shoulder that just, everything about him and the way that, you know, when he spoke to me, the story that we did for the site that, you know, he wants to be a part of the program. He's all in. He's looking forward to being a leader. I think the fact that you have somebody who's still technically a true freshman who stepped up like a leader like this is kind of unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's happened in other locker rooms before, but it's not something that I can recall happening here. Um, Just the way that he's been able to come in and kind of command it. And, and I mean, he, he wasn't afraid to call out. I mean, when he spoke with me, that conversation, he wasn't afraid to call out the guys who left. He was like, they were kind of like, you could kind of tell that they were just leaders because they were veterans. And he kind of just was like, so what, like, who cares how long you've been here? So I think, I mean, if you're looking at faces of the, I mean, it's, it's hard to say college football is their face of the team, but if you're looking at the face of the team on defense for the next couple of years, um, it's definitely Kobe Wilson. And I think he's a player that's going to be worth following and seeing who's on the field. I mean, and would you, we really be surprised if he's somebody who gets a single digit. I, I, I mean, I would be a little surprised, but it wouldn't be like shocking. What, what do you guys think if, about Kobe Wilson's single digit? Like in the future or like this year? And maybe this year, just because of the way that he's stepping up as a leader already, or you think that would be. a, a No, it's, it's not unprecedented. So like, yeah. Yeah, because people, people people look at Rocky Sin, but the thing that really sticks out to me is kind of there's two examples. Um, Sean Chandler got a single digit like right away as like a true freshman. Um, granted, I mean Champ was more of like a I'm going to do this by my work ethic. I'm, I'm not necessarily the most vocal leader in the world. And even Nick Sharga, 
Like Nick Shargo transferred him from West Virginia Wesleyan or whatever it was. And you didn't kind of hear about him because he was a walk-on. And then, like, almost out of nowhere, he he got a single digit. I remember Phil Snow making an emphasis, like, emphasizing to us, like, single digit does not mean our best players. Like, like, I, like when Nick Sharkin got he's like, it does not mean that he is one of my best defensive players. Did he, did he preface that by saying, you got to remember? You got to remember, I coached Pat Tillman. <laughs> I like great Pat Tillman. Yeah, and I'm going to, in the future, coach the Carolina Panthers. So, like, I, I don't think it's unprecedented. I think if you – putting under my head is Kobe Wilson a single digit at any point in his career I would say yes he seems to be on that trajectory um but I would I think it might be a little too too early but that being said like I haven't really gone through the roster but like who's an obvious single digit guy but you think about it I mean it's voted upon by the teammates so like they all think highly of him so yeah it's not out of the realm of the definitely definitely could happen I mean, yeah, I don't think any of us would be shocked if it happened, right? It would just be like, okay, like he just seems like a guy who commands everybody's respect in the locker yeah. room. I mean, I think George Reed's actively trying to get one of those jerseys too. So that's a good thing, which yeah, I think is actually a perfect segue to what I think I've learned this week, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I feel like I kind of knew this coming in, but then this really almost cemented it is despite all of the departures. And yes, there were a crap ton of departures. There seems to be so much depth at positions that I would not have thought necessarily at the end of last year, which a lot of that is a byproduct of the fact they were forced to play so many people at linebacker and so many people at corner and so many people at safety. But other than the defensive line and the second unit of the offensive line, which is obviously is a pretty big other than because those are very important parts. There seems to be just as much depth, if not more depth at every other position group than there was last year. Wide receivers, like, yes, you lost Brandon Mack to the NFL or to the NFL draft, but you added Amad Anderson. You're seeing Jose Barbon grow. You're seeing Jordan Smith grow. Like, you can go down the line in almost every position group. There just seems to be so much more depth, which hopefully, inevitably, there will be injuries that these guys are going to have to step up. So hopefully Temple is better equipped to withstand those blows uh, than they were last year. And that's something I feel like this spring with all the new names we're talking about with Edward Sadie, we're talking about a running back. We're talking about Kobe Wilson as a freshman pushing a linebacker. And we're talking about transfers like Keyshawn Paul being everything that they thought he was going to be that uh, this spring helped me cement my comfort level with a lot of these position groups. Real quick, before I get to my point, we'll play a clip again. It's more Kobe Wilson stuff, but oh. Rod Carey asking, have you seen Sam, you might have asked him this. Have you seen somebody? When was the last time you've seen somebody like Kobe come in and take command of a leadership role or take command of the locker room? I shouldn't say take command of the locker room. It's not like he's the only vocal guy on the team, but um, have you seen somebody do it this early? And here's what Rod Carey had to say He's doing an unbelievable job, and it starts with himself and his preparation, and then how he sets the example and holds everybody accountable. And he's just mission focused uh, on what we're trying to get done. And uh, it's, it's fun to see. And I I think that he is going to have a bright, bright future with us. Um, When that is, uh, is completely his time frame could be sooner rather than later, but uh, yeah, I just really excited about him. All right. So there you have Rod Carey saying no is the short answer. He's just mission focused. It's fun to see. So again, the Kobe Wilson, I don't want to call it the Kobe Wilson hype because then it sounds manufactured, but again, he's got his challenges as a player. He's, he's more on the undersized side. He's five eleven. He's not six, two or six, three, but um, again, uh, one of the guys that you really want to be able to take advantage of that COVID year, as Sam mentioned, he's still technically a freshman. 
be really fun to see that battle where Kobe Wilson and George Reed are battling it out. It seems like both are responding to it well. And there are a lot of things that stand out to me. If just you know, recency bias, I think that, and this might be a little bit less of a significant point, that that Rod Carey and the staff are still very, very much into the comings and goings of the transfer portal. And Rod Carey said flat out, "Yeah, we're still going to keep an eye on the transfer portal," and broke it down and say like either best available or adding depth to the O line or the D line. He said, "quote It's really waiver wire stuff." So the portal is still going to be a thing. So they, they lost a lot to it. And, you know, again, we've talked about this before and Rod Carey has every right to this opinion. He said, you know, there was this skies falling, you know, crowd, you know, a reminder that the transfer portal again swings both ways. Sure. You could have bigger, um, bigger impact guys that, that we lost, but um, I think that some are further ahead, like Dewan than, than some guys that we lost. So they're still very much into the portal. They're still keeping an eye on it you can still see that there, there are some positions of interest for them. So uh, after three weeks of spring ball, this roster is still a little bit of a work in process, but if you're them, you're hoping that it's a work in process where you're fine tuning certain areas, you know, we'll have to see, even if Rory Bell just got put on scholarship, does Rory Bell getting put on scholarship mean that he solidified himself as a starting place kicker, or are they still following junior college place kickers on, on social media? Um, You know, are they going to look at someone on the D line in the portal? Because I mean, something that kind of, I think not casually slipped by, but Zach Gill, one of the two North Carolina transfers, Rod said he's, he's banged up. We're hoping to have him back mid to late season. I mean, that's a, that not to say that Zach Gill put up really significant numbers at North Carolina, but they were hoping that change of scenery would help him out. There's a guy that you could be without for most of the season. So what does that mean for who they might go after in the portal? What does that mean for, you know, going to Nick Bags and saying, hey, we really need you to step up now? So a couple of things to, to keep in mind there that, that, that stood out to me. All right, so in addition to spring football, it's also been a busy week for basketball, at least on the recruiting front. A few more offers went out, class of 2023. Guys, Sam Cohn, what do you have for us? Yes, two teammates, both high school and AAU, that's exciting for them. Um, yeah, Ramir Barno and Justin Edwards, both 2023 guys, uh, very different. But as I said, teammates at Emotep Charter and uh, Team Final. So they've been uh, they've been playing together for a couple of years. I've you know I've read on Twitter that their chemistry has really come along. They're two guys that um, that have really shown out in their AAU season and. Um, and could really blow up in the next, you know, next season or two, but two guys with a lot of talent and it's very telling that temple is offering them this early. Uh, as I said, two 2023 guys, Ramir Barno is a five eleven. I think I'll give him six foot, but I'm pretty sure he's five eleven because nobody's actually five eleven. Um, five eleven. I'm actually five eleven. <laughs> as am yeah, I. but do you, do you admit that? Oh no. My driver's license says six foot. Hey, <laughs> exact same thing. My driver's yeah. license says six foot told my wife I was six feet when I met her. Well, yeah, you had to get through the the filters that she had in place. <laughs> yeah. probably like, look, like, I'm not anyway. dating a dude on your six foot. <laughs> and you're like, uh, six two. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ramir Barner, uh, we'll call him a six foot point guard. Um, definitely much more of a floor general than a guy that could pass the ball. And then uh, Justin Edwards is a six seven. He's listed as like a wing forward. My... Again, not having seen much of any of them, any of either of them play at all, my instinct, my assumption is that Justin Edwards is a similar style game to Zach Hicks with a little more meat on his bones. 
uh, and Ramir Barno could be have some Hisir Miller esque traits to him, just like a smaller, like tough guard. Um, again, I haven't sat in the play. I haven't talked to either of them yet, but that's that's kind of my initial instinct. And as I said before, it's it's at least very noteworthy the talent they probably have if they're being if they're getting offers from Temple uh, so far in advance of finishing their high school careers. I would say the only thing with that is I think Justin Edwards, you hope he eventually has more meat on his bones. Cause right now I think he's still pretty rail skinny too. Uh, I think the more important part from this outside of the actual offers is temple aggressively offering local prospects in future classes, because that's something they really have not done in the past. They usually wait until like, okay, well, right now we're focused on the 2022 cycle and we'll do 2023 when we get to it. You, these are two guys that are going to be some two of the bigger recruits in the city in 2023 and their hometown school is one of their first offers. So that is a step in the right direction if you are a Temple recruit fan. Exactly. And just one more thing to note is now Temple has dealt out three offers for the class of 2023. Sean Simmons was the other one who they offered a couple months ago. I don't remember exactly when. I would guess like December, January-ish. I think it was actually earlier that. Day. I think it was like September, yeah. Like early, it was like last fall. fall. Yeah. Oh. So, since, yeah, then, so they, since then, he's gotten Pitt and Seton Hall and Butler yeah. yeah, he's really blown up. So, yeah, uh, yeah they, for them, they get in there early is what I mean, yes. the point that we're making, right? Absolutely. Exactly. All right. So, again, we will certainly keep an eye on basketball recruiting as spring turns into summer. Let's turn the mailbag. We've got a few here for football, including a six part mailbag question, a rapid fire question from dblaze 75 from the message board. We'll start off with that one. Again, some rapid fire, very early predictions. Number one, which running back finishes the season receiving and running with A, most yards, and B, most touchdowns? Who wants to take this one first? Clement Bonner. Clement yards, Bonner touchdowns. I would have said the same thing. And we need to go faster if these are rapid fire. Carolina Sam? Oh, I said ditto. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear you say ditto. Uh, Clement and Bonner? Yeah, I'll go with that too. Number two, does Dewan Mathis finish top two on the team in rushing yards? No. Yeah, no, I'd say so. I'd say probably not, but I'm curious to Sam and Kyle who you think would finish ahead of him because I don't know if I have a. I, I, think, I mean, if there, if there is going to be so much movement in the backfield, I think there's a legitimate chance that those numbers are skewed a little bit, but I, I would. I would assume that one of those guys in the backfield really emerges. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're just, if we just want to give up on the rapid fire part, I'm more than happy to, to flesh out my answer. I think, I think people look back at like NIU offenses and they go, oh, okay. Like Jordan Lynch rushed for 1200 yards or 2000 yards or whatever it was and blah, blah. I still think this offense is going to primarily try to throw, use the quarterback to throw the ball. Um, and I think that there, like, I think the fact that there are that many running backs that are that close to the top is a reason why Mathis won't be top two. Cause I think you're going to see Clement Bonner, whether it's Sadie or Ruley, whoever it is, I think they're, they're all going to get so many touches that I think it's just going to, I mean, I agree. I think you're going to see a lot of people in their like 400, 500, 300 rushing yard range, but I think Mathis will be a little below that. Yeah. Or I, that being said, now he's probably going to rush for like 1500 yards. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I would agree with you, Kyle. I just think that, um, with a young quarterback in there, you obviously you would like to set up the run game and the play action, that sort of stuff, just to get him comfortable. And and that's, you know, always a cliche with, but at the same time, like, yeah, they want to have more designed quarterback runs because Anthony Rousseau wasn't exactly mobile, but what does that look like? I mean, Yaramovich had eight to 12, maybe Russia as a game. I don't think that's, I think that's him just kind of talking, whatever, maybe trying to, to throw something out there to, 
you know. In but, the end, you got a lot of wide receivers. You got to keep healthy. Exactly. I keep happy, I should say. That, like, you can't all of a sudden take hey, a quarter of our offense is going to be running the ball at the quarterback because Jaden Blues wants his 100 catches. And at the end of the day, like, you know, Mathis is your quarterback one. You also want to keep him healthy. Do you really want him rushing the ball 15 times yeah. again? Yeah, very good point. Question number three, which wide receiver finishes the season with A, the most touchdowns, B, the most receptions, and C, the most yards? Touchdowns, Randall Jones. Receptions, Jaden Blue. Yards, Randall Jones. Stole my answer, Kyle. Sam, Sam? Have to be a yeah, wide receiver, I guess. Um, let's go most touchdowns, Randall Jones. Most receptions, Jaden Blue. And most yards, Jaden Blue. I'm going to ditto Sam. I think receptions and yards are both Jaden Blue and touchdowns is Randall Jones. I'll just say, as always, I am a big Randall Jones fan. If he stays healthy, he's going to put up numbers. What movie do you think of when you hear the word ditto? I think of the Pokemon. So so I don't think of any movie. I'm hating myself here. Did anybody see Ghost? Uh, with Swayze. Yeah. All right. I'm old. Anyway. I, don't think I, saw it. I, did, I just watched uh, Roadhouse for the first time like a couple years there, ago. There you go. <laughs> That's a great one. Uh, question number four from D play 75's rapid fire early predictions. A question here, who leads the D in sacks? I think Manny Walker is going to have a pretty solid year. Yeah. Manny Walker was my choice. Manny Walker. Let's see. Will Rogers just as uh, do I fully believe that I'm not sure. Am I just trying to be a little bit of a contrarian here? Possibly, but uh, I'll go with that. Stick with that. Number five, who leads the defense in interceptions? I was originally going to say Keyshawn Paul, but I'm going to change it because I don't think he's that, that much of a ball hawk. I'm going to say Deshaun Winston. Ooh. I'm going to go with a out of the box. Well, not that out of box. Freddie Johnson. Why not? Former receiver. Sam, Sam Cohen does I... not like that answer. No, no. I'm just trying are to you think. Just I, I, those are you, look like, you look like an old man I'm, trying to read. I'm a... just trying to get wrinkles by 30. Um, I'll take Freddie Johnson, too. I'll agree with Carolina Sam here. I like the Deshaun Winston answer, or maybe even, mm. yeah, I like I like the Deshaun Winston answer. I, I like that one a lot. Next one, who uh, that next number six? The defensive tackle position is extremely thin, especially with Gill's injury, which we just talked about. Odds that Temple can pick up a starter or two through the portal by the start of training camp. This one I don't think is as much of a rapid fire question, but I don't think two. I think I think if you're putting on your, your, your rosterbation hat. I think you want to add a starter at defensive tackle. And I think you want to add depth probably at defensive tackle. So I would say they probably had one starter. Yeah. I would agree with one starter at, at defensive tackle, but I mean, what does a starter look like there? Cause they love to rotate in interior. I mean, right. for all we know, Kevin Robertson and Nick bags can start there or something like that. Are they going to see the majority of the snaps? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that, I mean, Kerry said, like, that the injury to Gill actually happened there in winter workouts. So that makes sense with the fact that they were trying to get Weston Kramer in here then from NIU. With They knew about Gill's injury, and they want, they still thought with the people they had that they needed to bring in a likely starter. So. Who was just talking about Kevin Robertson? Jeff Knowles. That's Knowles. right. He showed up, like, in shape, right? Yeah, a few, a few, uh, a few times his name has come up. We'll see. I, 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 one I, of the defensive linemen talked about him, too. As somebody who stood out, maybe Manny Walker. I always, I just wonder, like, the, they've been blessed in a sense the past couple of years that they had that half a season stretch where a stretch where Yvonne Maje was great. They had Dan Archibong as a four year starter. Like, I wonder with like a year like this, 
are they expecting somebody to come in and be like, hey, you're playing 70 snaps a game? Or is it a situation where like we want to throw four or five or six defensive tackles into that rotation? That's why I think it's likely, again, complete guess. Do I think at this point in the at this point in the spring season that they'll get I mean, I think it's plausible that they get one starter and one depth guy. I kind of just have a feeling that they're just going to bring in a couple of guys that are rotational guys, and they'll say, hey, they can come in and compete. We can see them adding depth to the room. I'd be surprised if they got a guy that was kind of a real eyebrow raiser, but I could be wrong. All right. Um, thank you for the six-part rapid-fire question there, dblay 75 Next question from Green Street Al. Does Brandon Mack get drafted since he ran better than teams thought at the Temple Pro Day? You have to figure someone make it might take a shot with his size. So does Brandon Mack get drafted? Gun to my head, no. Yeah. I think I think he's a priority free agent guy. Yeah. I agree with Kyle. I think if unless Matt Rule wants to throw him a bone in like the seventh round or something like that, maybe as one of his guys, or I I just don't see him getting drafted, but he, he will be in a camp somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Have to think and this wasn't this. asked, but that would be my same opinion with Dan Archbong, too. I don't think he gets drafted. I think he just be, he gets in somebody's camp. All right, let's head over. Gun to your head. Okay. Question from Kyle Gauss. Where does Quincy Roche get drafted? Like round wise. Third round. Yeah, I think third or fourth. I don't think I don't think his draft stock necessarily went up over the last year. Yeah, um, he gets so taken with one of those comp picks in the third round. Yeah, even more specific. So I'm like, I don't know, man. We're trying to trade up to get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Mac Jones to New England, right? <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for this week's episode of the scoop. Big thanks to Kyle. Sam and Sam for joining me once again. Big thank you to all of you for tuning in once again to listen. If you are listening to this directly from the Al Scoop site and you haven't subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever site or whatever area you're accessing your podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more it elevates Temple Sports Talk in the in the podcast world. So we appreciate you doing that. Looking forward to talking to all of you again next week. Hope you're having a great week, a great month. Hope everyone is safe, happy, and healthy, and we will talk to you soon.